It's like, how can you expect to learn to drive a car from someone that's only ever read to drive a car via a book? Whereas if he's driven a car, you're going to trust them to teach you to drive a car. And I think it's the same with the body as well. And it's your responsibility to take control of your own health. It really is. Do you want to know what it is? Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Welcome to the Body and Mind Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Seamland, and our guest today is Tim Gray. Tim is an entrepreneur and biohacker from the UK. He's also the founder of the Health Optimization Summit in London. We're going to talk about how to stay healthy when living in urban environments and large cities. This episode is brought to you by Katsu Training. Katsu bands incorporate blood flow moderation training that trick the body into thinking that it's lifting heavier weights than it actually is. When traditional weightlifting requires you to reach 70-80% to of your one repetition maximum to stimulate muscle hypertrophy, then Katsu achieve that effect only at 20-30%. to So it's perfect for treating injuries or use when you don't have access to heavy weights. Research about Katsu bands also shows it lowers blood pressure, speeds up recovery from injuries, releases stem cells, builds muscle, burns fat, and prevents age-rated muscle loss. These things are a game-changer, and I use them almost every day. If you want to try out the Katsu Cycle Bands, then use the code SEAM for a 10% discount at katsu-global.com. That's katsu-global.com, and the 10% code is SEAM, S-I-I-M. Tim, how are you? I'm very well, mate. Thank you. Yeah, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great as well, and uh, it's uh, glad to connect with you again uh, from the interwebs. Yep. Yeah, the, the last time we the last time we saw in person was like in uh, London in February, and it was like right before the uh, coronavirus uh, mayhem kicked off. So, how did you get through the uh, quarantine period? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was actually really awesome. One of the most productive times of my life. I moved house twice, um, and um, yeah, I moved house twice and set up a home gym and got all the biohacks that I could trip over all day, every day. So I really got knuckled down and worked really hard. How about for you? Uh, well, yeah, for me, it's also like uh, pretty much uh, like a very vacation <laughs> or something like uh, I'm already living in the countryside and uh, I don't have, you know, responsibilities in a big city or something like that. So I'm, I'm always able to, you know, go out, walk in nature, get outside, uh, and uh, that sort of thing. So I wasn't like confined in some sort of an apartment or something. So it was a like, really, really good time to just uh, focus on being productive and yeah, kind of uh, disconnect from, uh, you know, the large crowds, so to say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting, actually. I'm glad I had a garden at both places that I stayed at because I spent pretty much every day grounding, playing on my laptop, working, Instagramming, building stuff from the garden barefoot or in shorts. And I think I don't think <clears throat> I don't think I would have been too happy if I'd been stuck in an apartment in the center of a city opposed to on the edge of a city with a garden. So, yeah, it's 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 actually going <clears> to <throat> um, make a massive change in people's house habits. So I've seen that there are looking at trends of people are looking at cottages and countryside and moving out of the cities as a result of this so it's yeah. really nice to see everyone's going to be connecting with nature a little bit more mm. yeah like uh the uh the living in a big city is uh pretty difficult nowadays and uh, it's going to become even more like uncomfortable and just just a hassle so to say and the people there yeah, would be i would imagine that yeah people are moving away from these uh centers and yeah like they could work from from home and they can use like the internet and sort of thing so there's no like real reason to stay there anyway mm, yeah yeah i'm <clears throat> i looked at a place in cornwall next to the sea in england um and i was thinking i might i might end up moving down there and just having a little apartment in london where you just drive up you know for, for a couple of days a week which would be nice mm. or even moving abroad somewhere a little bit more natural and i think <clears throat> with the whole interweb stuff um it's so easy to connect with people look at you on a little island in the middle of nowhere and it's like you you still continue to do and if not better than a lot of people productivity wise nature wise biohacking wise the whole lot so it's really uh, it's really uh, been a big awakening for me and a lot of people especially in the center yeah totally but uh, you've been living in london for how long <laughs> like years uh, about best part of 10 years yeah mm. yeah so that's uh you've 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 kind of 
mastered the art of uh, let's say biohacking yourself in, in a big city and still staying healthy yeah i mean it, i think a lot of the biohacks that i was doing was combating the issues that you get from living in the city and i was li living in the very center of london zone one which is quite polluted very polluted actually um and still having some health issues and um whatnot so i think you can do a lot of these cool biohacks to counteract the issues that you're getting but until you actually go back to nature more you know you're never going to be able to be completely healthy so, so I have done everything I could do in zone one of London possible um, with EMF moving away from an EMF tower that was 50 meters from my bedroom at the same height, which mm -hmm. I didn't realize was there, including 5G. Um, mm. Some things you just can't get away from. So, yeah, that's where nature is so important. And I think I did a post on Instagram this week about um, being in biohacking pretty much for 10 years whether or not it was with or without the label of biohacking, it's brought me back around to nature completely from, um, I was kind of on a, a date or should I say a walk in the park a few weeks ago. And uh, I took my shoes off, rolled my trouser legs up, lied down on the grass in the middle of a field. And it's just like, like, you know, if I'd done that four or five years ago, the person I was on a date with would probably go, what, what the hell are you doing? And I was just lying there. <laughs> feeling so amazing um getting the free electrons from the ground and i knowing what it was doing to my body and and it's funny how going health quantified health nature bring mm. it all together and so it's been a really interesting journey right yeah i totally agree that um it's very you know very hard to fight nature so to say you can do it for a certain while but uh uh eventually you're you know it's going to catch up and it's actually somewhat more easy to try to let's say embrace some forms of natural living as a way to just not you know because you you can you can definitely like i would imagine pull off living in a big city and and that sort of thing uh, but it's just gonna there, there's gonna be like these additional stressors culminating all the time and uh, you know you could manage those stressors but at the same time you you will also probably you know burn out faster as opposed to taking like some of the the uh, deductive approach where you try to reduce some of the stressors then you have like just then you'll be healthy and uh, stress free from like a basal mm -hmm. basal level because uh, that's where your body just you know is supposed to uh, function best at mm, completely completely and i mean i think <clears throat> if you're breathing toxic fumes whether you're aware of it or not whether or not you've got EMFs buzzing through, you're not going to be in parasympathetic mode. You're going to be in fight or flight the whole time. Your immune system is going to be activated more than it should be. And until you get away from those things, you know, it's always going to be the case whether you know it or not. And I think it's really interesting because I'm in um, tubing at the moment in Germany and I was living in an old building. It wasn't moldy or anything because um, obviously that can cause health issues, as you know. And um, my heart rate plummeted through the night my heart rate variability shot up by 25% literally the first night I was there. Mm -hmm. You couldn't hardly get Wi-Fi signal in the building or any mobile signal. And it was a view out over the hills. And, you know, I've been trying to get those stats in London <laughs> for a very long time. And then boom, in an yeah. Airbnb overnight, like yeah. you're welcome. So, yeah. so, you know, I, I completely agree. Um, how, whatever you do all these different hacks and you can spend half your life doing these hacks or a little bit of your life just moving home <laughs> <laughs> yeah true true and yeah it's uh you know people tend to notice these things only uh once they get out of the uh cycle so to say once they get out of the city for a while and then they go to the countryside then they notice like oh this is what it feels like to be you know under un unstimulated this is what it feels like to be uh in an emf free uh, zone and uh, what it feels like to sleep in uh without the emf mm, yeah i agree the only problem is with this whole um pandemic thing going on is that people are going, oh my God, I need a new place. I need to get out of London. Got to make change because we're such instant creatures. You know, we only mm. realize when something hits us immediately. Like we only notice, we only notice how old we are on an old passport photo to a new one. We don't notice the progression over a period of time. And I think when we're in the moment in a pandemic, we go, we want a garden. We want to get out of London. We've got mm -hmm. to get to the countryside. And then once the pandemic's over and we're out and able to move freely again, we forget about it and just lock back to like, yeah. live in the centre again. Yeah. So I, I think for me, I'm holding on to the fact that I know what I feel like right now. 
and and obviously being in biohacking and understanding um, how the body works a lot more. And then when I moved into London ten years ago, I really I really want to make this change happen. And, and I think you're living testament to that. Actually, I'm I'm off, always very envious of of uh, your day your day on the island. Got to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really uh, uh, yeah like a little piece of heaven. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah. but uh, how did you get started? Like let's let's wind back ten years and uh, how how did you start doing this kind of biohacks? Mm, I um, it wasn't a biohack at that point. It was just um, it was like I have these health issues. The doctor doesn't know what to do. I'm going to start researching and studying. And then of course, like I found uh, Dr. McCola's website, which was an alternative point of view from what the traditional doctors were saying, even though he was a proper doctor, is a proper doctor. And um, like, for instance, my mum had osteopenia, which is the precursor to osteoporosis. And um, Dr. McCola said in his really thorough piece of content, um, it's about vitamin D, vitamin K and magnesium. Optimize those and, you know, bones, bones um, grow as they should or be strong as they should. And I was just like, I remember seeing it on his newsletter and I've, I've actually read every one of his newsletters for the last 10 years almost. Um, and um, it was just like, actually, there's another way. Whereas the doctor was just prescribing my mum a drug. Hmm. And I was like, hmm, so I'm going to start studying this. And I, at the time I had kidney stones. So I started studying kidney stones and what kidney stones were made up of. And I had my kidney stone analyzed and it had, um, it was oxalate content. So of course I looked into oxalate and then I found out about endogenous um, and exogenous uh, oxalate production and then how that works and then looked at alternative viewpoints on that and how it comes back to the gut, which then led me to gut permeability or leaky gut, mm. which then led me back to my metal fillings as well that obviously kills bacteria off in the gut and I kind of started piecing it all out. And so I started studying and just applying it to my own health, testing these things to see how I got better and if I stopped producing kidney stones, that was very early days. Um, and it fast forward four or five years, that's when I heard about Bulletproof Coffee and biohacking. So I spent five years, almost four or five years, researching and testing these things to myself, not knowing that there was any other crazy people like me out there, which is, I guess, why now when we talk about a lot of things, uh, the, the information's in there, the information's in there, but I just, it's uh, compounded knowledge over 10 years almost. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah and i think the only thing that the biohacking adds to this is really it's a systems thinking approach it's you biohacking is a system it's like yoga isn't biohacking but when you're a biohacker if you use yoga to help um body movement flexibility relief tense muscles for instance and then you say well actually i've got tense muscles yoga is going to help me relax and magnesium is going to help me relax from the inside out as well. Mm. That's biohacking in its thinking. So that's yeah. really how it all goes together. Yeah, so it's like a methodology. And uh, mm. there are these different tools uh, or biohacks that you can use, like supplements or some yeah, like exercise or saunas and uh, different gadgets and those things. They're all like tools in your tool belt. And uh, what your goal is to just you know, optimize your health and kind of change it in some, some shape or form. I, I love that, Sim. Like I say 50 words, every one that you say. And as we know <laughs> through our communication history, you just go, it's a methodology. And it's like, in my mind, I went, he nailed it. In one <laughs> word. Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah, it's methodology or a systems thinking approach. I agree, 100%. True, true. And a huge part of it is also like the environment because uh, us as individuals are a part of our environment and the environment is always like... Uh, affecting us like viscerally and quite literally we, we are like the result of our environment but because like our health and psychology are like really uh depend upon it mm, yeah yeah completely completely and it's funny because dave asprey when he said his newer definition of biohacking a few years back when he first said it is it's the art and science of optimizing the environment inside of you and outside of you for ultimate performance or, or whatnot mm like yeah. environment inside of you and outside of you and i was like well inside of you i can kind of get because it's prebiotics it's probiotics it's cellular deficiencies it's all these different things but outside of you and then when you think about red light therapy or removing or blocking emfs or 
having grounding, optimizing your environment to have grounding. Of course, that's biohacking. So yeah, I, I completely agree. It's it's uh, environment is there's the saying, and I'm sure you know it, is uh, genetics loads the gun, epigenetics or environment pulls yeah. the trigger. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but what about let's maybe can you also elaborate some of the uh, fixes you made to your like internal environment. How did you fix your like nutrient deficiencies, and what did you look at? There was just some sirens going past, so I muted it for a second. <laughs> it was the loud, loudest sirens I've ever heard, I think. Um, so yeah, so I think in cellular deficiencies, it's really interesting because I'm seeing this as a, a trend now in like cellular deficiencies or the cell membrane op optimization. And I think early day biohacking was, I'm not feeling good. I've got tight muscles. Let's take some magnesium. Um, or my digestion's not good. Let's take some hydrochloric acid, um, so HCL, sorry, um, or some digestive enzymes, you know, it, or, um, I've got tight muscles, so I'm going to stretch. Well, when you do proper tests and I'm not just talking standard blood tests that the doctor does you a, a list of tests and you know, you say, Oh, everything looks good and in range things like there's the, and I talk about this a lot, the Nutra eval test by Genova, which is metabolomics which is looking at your you on a cellular level and so i guess the simple way of explaining it would be looking at what's in the cell that shouldn't be and look and looking what isn't in the cell that should be so it can tell you if you've got um any deficiencies in um the minerals um it tells you um your methylation status as well because it does urine and blood together so it really says for instance well you're you're low in um let's just say you're low in copper but you know to supplement with copper and it's mm -hmm. not just whether or not that copper is in your blood it's whether or not it's on a cellular level in, whether or not it's in the cell so i think when you can be very prescriptive opposed to just chucking another hundred supplements down your throat every day which i did i definitely did i mean at one point i was taking 50 different supplements in a day and, you know, it's probably about 100 to 150 tablets in, in my mouth a day. Um, but when, when you're desperate to fix health, you know, you want to throw as much at the wall, much shit at the wall as you can and hope that it sticks because you're so desperate to fix your health. But then as you progress and learn more and more and more, all of these different supplements, you realize that all have separate issues that they can bring you such as too many natural antibacterial antibiotics uh, like olive leaf extract and oregano oil or actually just pretty much bleach your gut which means that you won't mm. have the gut bacteria to digest your food to get the nutrients in the first place so it's really about very being very prescriptive and i think biohackers generally don't have they tend to go off piste and um the world's coming to an end um mm. by the sounds of it um yeah so um, yeah, it's about being prescriptive and a lot of biohackers generally just go off on their own and test all these different things, but don't necessarily work with a functional medicine practitioner, which in all honesty, they would get to their goal a lot quicker if they did. Mm -hmm. Then they go, well, it's 200 pounds or 200 euros an hour. I don't want to do that. Yeah, but they're quite happy to spend 50 to 100 euros on a supplement and have 10 of them. So right. I think really, I've I, not only is the nature approach come back around to tell me how important it is it's also work with someone someone that really does get this like a functional medicine practitioner and then if you want to go off a little bit that's fine but don't go down completely on your own learning everything without being guided and i think yeah. if i could do it again that's one thing i would definitely definitely do yeah so like uh there's a you know a lot of you you need a lot of like uh, knowledge in the first place to understand these things as well as like some your own like experience to kind of make sure that you interpret the results the right way and uh, how do you apply it to the to your specific context or your genetics for example or something like that so yeah that's why you have to kind of you know it's easier it's like a shortcut to uh take the the uh, like the experience of someone else like a like a doctor or a functional medicine and practitioner i think the other thing is is that one of the other thing i've learned from this is that no one's going to be ever be as invested in your health as you are. And if you have a guide, like on plant journeys, um, plant medicine journeys, you have a guide 
to keep you back in reality and keep you in check, but you still go off and have your own inner experience. Um, or when you go on holiday, you have a guide to take you up into the mountains or whatever so that you don't get lost. They keep you on track, but you can still go off and do your own things. It's exactly the same when you are working on your health. Have a functional medicine practitioner that can guide you. You can then go off and try various things, but you always stay on track. Um, and then that's super efficient. And I think that's the true biohacking way, because I think a lot of biohackers, again, think they know everything. And, you know, a bit of red light here or a little bit of collagen there will get you to your goal. But unless someone really understands things, they're not going to be able to guide you. But in the same respect, if they haven't gone through that health issue themselves, the doctor, they're only going by what they've learned from books or from other patients opposed to for their own journey. So I think when you do work, like if you do work with someone, if work with someone that's had gut issues themselves, if they're a functional medicine doctor, because they're going to know this stuff so well. It's like, how can you expect to learn to drive a car from someone that's only ever read to drive a car via a book? Mm-hmm. Whereas if he's driven a car, you're going to trust them to teach you to drive a car. And I think it's the same with the body as well. And it's your responsibility to take control of your own health. It really is not to sound like a cliche, but <laughs> yeah, totally. using these guides will get you there. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, but are there like some, let's say, um, like universal things that everyone should pay attention to, like that everyone needs? Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. But I mean, the first, obviously, is you've even got a course on it, but sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I always talk about the fundamentals of the health or hacking biohacking. And really, it's the precursor to biohacking, which is obviously optimizing your sleep. Because if you're not sleeping properly you're not reversing the damage you've done throughout the whole day and that the point is is we collect energy during the day whether it's from sunlight or whether or not it's from our food or whether or not it's the free electrons from earthing which helps our body repair when we sleep and if we're not sleeping properly our body is using energy while we sleep opposed to reversing the damage so we age quicker um so i think there really is some simple universal things that you can do is sleep better hydrate better um ground better sun better (laughs) you know um breathe better pay attention to your breathing if you're a high breather make sure that you're using um your diaphragm more breathing lower down and slower there's there's so many cool things that you can do that are free that are the basis for the well the fundamentals of health more so than more so than people realize Mm. um I don't know, I think in our aha moment was for me was about six months ago and someone messaged me and said, Tim, can you recommend me some peptides for my girlfriend's gut? And I was like, why, tell me why do you want peptides? And he said, well, because it's, you know, it's what the right thing to do to fix the gut. I've been reading about it. I was like, okay, so what's the diet like? Do they take any digestive, natural digestive enzymes? Um, are they on the pill? Um, contraceptive pill you know are they doing these basic things and he went no and I was like okay so why do you want peptides <laughs> you know yeah yeah it, <laughs> fix the yeah, fix the fix the easy stuff first and uh, then then you then you may not need to take like the harder stuff yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so true like the sleep is uh, kind of the fundamental to everything else you do as well and you can't like you can't really uh, like uh, fix your, uh, you, you can't see like results uh, in your like body composition or your cognition or your like digestion or anything else uh, unless your sleep is, uh, you know, fixed. And yeah, like sleep kind of governs all of those other processes that you try to do on a daily basis. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, the, the funny thing is, is that when, when, if we're talking about spe- sleep specifically for a moment, and I know you're a big fan and advocate and talk about this a lot. And I think, well, I've heard you talk about it as well, but is it's bigger than sleep. It's about the whole circadian rhythm optimization. And in yeah. fact, I did a talk a few weeks ago that I replaced sleep with circadian optimization, which is a little less accessible for people to understand, but they're a little bit more detailed, the group that are watching. And I think if you, if you think about your day <laughs> in a circadian rhythm is in like a whole 24 hour cycle, shifting it to be like it would have been with our ancestors, forgetting sleep, sleep is part of that cycle, obviously. But if you go, 
the moment I wake up, from the moment I wake up, I've got six to eight hours to eat as much as I want. <laughs> it could be any, anything, in all honesty, if that's the only one thing you change is eating within that window. People go, oh, yeah, I love intermittent fasting. It's so good for my gut. It's like, yeah, but, but why is it good for you? Mm. Why? And I mean, one of the things that Dr. Sachin Panda's work said that really resonated with me, which is the big hard stop at 6, 6 p.m. for me, for my food is we produce up to 50 times less insulin around sunset, which means that our, we have to, we have higher blood sugar throughout the night. <laughs> mm -hmm. It just because we cannot produce the insulin. So of course, if you've got higher blood sugar through the night, well, what's going to happen? It's obvious. It's absolutely right. obvious what's going to happen to you. Um, opposed to sunsets, you buy your campfire as a caveman, you finish eating, you can't really see much, so you start getting tired because your melatonin starts hiking, your blood sugar comes down because you wouldn't be able to eat near bedtime, your blood sugar's low through the night, your body heals through the night, you wake up and then it's sunrise, you run off to go and kill an animal or pick some food or whatever, which is your high intensity training, then you eat about 10 or 11 o'clock all the way through to sunset at five or 6 p.m. You know, that's as we were designed to be. And yeah. so sleep suddenly becomes so much easier and less of a thing that you need to optimize if you focus on the hours that you are awake of the things that we should be doing in that time frame. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't, I, I, I don't need to teach you about it, but I'm sure <laughs> no. you, your listeners know this all too well. No, you're, you're totally right. Like the circadian rhythms are like the uh, underlying, like master master network or master uh, governing system inside your body that controls everything else like your digestion is controlled by circadian rhythms your sleep is controlled by it and yeah like like even your uh, blood pressure like when is your highest strength your highest uh, muscle coordination all those things have a circadian rhythm and it's mm -hmm. a it's another example of uh, you can either like try to override those systems but you're gonna have like a bad time you're gonna have like more stress and uh, it's gonna be difficult whereas you can just go with the flow, so to say. You can just uh, follow the rhythm and try to uh, align yourself with it as much as possible because then it's going to be just easier for your body to stay healthy and it's going to be mentally easier as well because you'll, it's, it's like it's, it, takes less, uh, it takes less effort to see the results. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think for me, when, um, when I started working on my body composition because I'm known to be a slim guy, um, and that goes down to health issues with digestion and things but when i shifted my eating window and and timing my i lost fat and put on muscle so i put on six kilos as a result of working out and optimizing my my macros and obviously paying attention on what i am eating within those macros but um the timing window is funny when you look at my body composition and my measurements it's gone fat comes down even though i'm quite skinny already muscle content comes up and weight comes up six kilos mm -hmm. so i mean the net gain has been great in in terms of uh, muscle composition muscles basically but um and the only thing i really changed was my eating window and yeah. it was uh, full on for as like from from 8 a.m all the way through actually to 4 p.m as, yeah. as much as i could eat and and um that's the only thing i changed yeah, like the um, muscle building process as well as fat burning happens in sleep. And uh, if you have like a bunch, if, you, if your body has to digest a lot of the food, then it's going to take away energy from, uh, you know, those uh, mm. growth processes and repair processes. So, yeah, it's it's going to yeah, definitely have a huge impact. But but how, mm. how uh, what do you do to improve your sleep? Like, how do you optimize it? It's mm, a good question. Um, the, the biggest thing of all is food timing that's the biggest thing actually um the second biggest thing i'd put it down to is obviously blue blocking glasses um which i know that we're all in this space a big fan of i think obviously if you get more sun you produce more melatonin and when the sun sets you produce your melatonin for that day which means that you sleep better so if you can optimize the timing of everything you eat and when you get sunlight so for instance first light in the morning when you wake up sunlight into the eyes or fresh it doesn't have to be direct sunlight obviously um, and it can be behind clouds it's still light there's still light present um, but getting fresh 
fresh light into the eyes on waking opposed to you know your mobile phone which is bright blue and crappy junk light blocking blue light after sunset or around sunset um, is the second most important thing um, I used to be a big fan of blackout blinds and making my bedroom completely black so that my body didn't know what time of day it is but in all honesty if you use your blue blocking glasses at the right time of day and sleep at the right time of day and stop playing with your devices at the right time of day you will wake up at the right time of day and waking up at the right time of day is determined by the sunrise <laughs> which mm -hmm. you will wake up naturally so there's no need for blackout blinds and no need for an alarm clock um, unless of course you're traveling time zones right. um, or unless of course you're recovering from a surgery and you 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 know you need to trick your body to have more time sleeping and i think again what comes into this is time uh, not time zone times of the year for instance someone said to me the other day well it's lighter until 10 o'clock now so should i start wearing my blue blockers from six o'clock i said well actually yes i would say so because sure we have x amount of months in the year where we would have more sunlight and less sleep, but then we would have more darkness at other times of the year, we'd have more sleep and less sunlight. So it would balance out. Mm -hmm. But because we're up later generally, and we're having blue light, like if you can keep it stable throughout the year, more stable throughout the year, plus minus a year, an hour, by wearing blue blockers, but still relying on sunrise in the morning, then you're gonna be good all year round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, so also think, I, also, I also think, yeah, like the, it's healthier to stick to a consistent uh, schedule and consistent like a bedtime uh, all the throughout the entire year because yeah these variations they can cause some uh, like acute let's say acute stress and acute uh, damage to your health so generally easier to uh, still like follow a similar bedtime regardless of the time of the year and uh, regardless of that yeah i agree i've Again, I did a post on this last week, I think, on Instagram, because I've always considered myself to be a night owl, even as a biohacker wearing blue blocking glasses. I've considered myself to be a night owl. And I've wore blue blocking glasses before bed and had optimal sleep and everything, but I would still sleep late and I'd still wake up late and still use blackout blinds. And it wasn't until I changed my eating window as well as wearing blue blocking glasses mm -hmm. that actually I became... I like sleep at 10, 10.30 now and wake up at 6, 6.30 and I get seven to seven and a half hours, maybe seven hours, 45 minutes. Now I don't consider myself a night owl anymore. And in mm -hmm. fact, I used to laugh at people that are in mm -hmm. bed by 10, 10.30. So when someone says to me, oh no, I'm just a night owl, blue blocking glasses won't do anything for me. I was like, no, blue blocking glasses probably won't on their own, but you've got to change your lifestyle as well. You've got to yeah. eat differently at yeah. timing. And they call uh, night owls uh, a circadian, uh, like a mismatch or a circadian uh, misalignment because like, naturally humans are supposed to go to bed like relatively early and wake up relatively early as well. Mm. So uh, it's just like in the modern world, we have like this, a lot of disruptions, like the blue light and social media and... TV and uh, video games and all those things, they're keeping people up. And uh, of course, they don't want to go to bed. And also the whole mental stimulus that we're having left, right and center everywhere, not just the devices themselves with the light, but also our, our, our minds are full of open loops. You know, have we paid the car insurance or have we paid the bills or what time are we meeting such and such tomorrow? Or, you know, any, any one of these things, our brains are full up. Whereas before it would be, how do we um, get feed? How do we the other F, um, <laughs> <laughs> run away. Um, you know, and, and nowadays we're having a million things and the brain's going mental. But I think if, if someone, and again, Sachin Panda said this, Dr. Sachin Panda, um, he said he went camping and he got tired very early. And I, I think that that is a, an absolutely perfect way to describe if someone is a night owl or not, get them to have two weeks sleeping in a tent in a field with no yeah. phone and only campfire um, and let's see what their sleep does then. And that would be the ultimate test because I, I, even for myself before I was not a night owl, I would still feel tired if I went camping um, um, because there's no fake light. So I'd yeah. love to do that test on those people that say, oh no, it won't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally true. And yeah, like usually it's just uh, out of habit. They've uh, 
change their habits so much that uh, they think that it's normal for them. Of course, there is some there is some genetic variation, but it but it's not like that large. It's not that massive. It's not that some. It's not natural for anyone to let's say have the sleep wakefulness cycle that they go to bed at four a.m. or uh, at six a.m. and they sleep past noon and that sort of thing. That's that's completely unnatural. There may be like a few hours difference, but it's not like it's not like entire blocks of night difference. Mm, yeah, I completely agree. And I think that what you're saying about the genetic side of things is there's always a variation, but not a massive variation. And also different genes switch on and off at different times of day, which is to go back to the insulin example earlier on, we produce up to 50 times less insulin after sunset because certain genes turn on and off at different times of day. And I think when you look at how we're genetically similar, we are to other creatures well, between each other, we're very, very, very similar, much closer, and we don't have a 20 or 30% difference in genes across the board. So I think that's why when people say, oh, no, I, I can't sleep before 2 p.m., well, they don't have that much of a genetic difference. They just, it's impossible, like you say. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, EMFs? What do you use? Or how does it affect sleep? What have you noticed? Um yeah, it's really, really interesting one. I've been very prescriptive with EMF specifically. Um, I've always, uh, always carry a device around with me, which is, uh, get it here. Uh, Vivo, Vivo base. Um, now this is, um, this interferes with the way that EMFs potentially um, damage or affect your structured water in your body. And you can, with kinesiology, muscle testing and whatnot, these are, pretty good it's german technology so i carry one with me everywhere um i think the best and i obviously i have a soma vedic at home as well which is an emf harmonizer and that's based on um they say quantum but um <laughs> crystals and whatnot uh, but i have actually found that it works very well and people do when they come to my house they say oh, that this feels really good you know, not necessarily knowing i've even got a soma vedic working so there are things that are outside of our awareness at the moment and then testing it with the data, so tracking it with the aura ring as always, is one thing. Um, but getting away from EMF is the best thing you can do. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. that's not necessarily always possible. Yeah. So I tested having a, a Vivo base home device next to my bed. In my last apartment, it was stupidly high in EMFs. The, the, the RF reader was off the charts. In fact, it was mm -hmm. freaky. Um, and whenever I went near any metal with the reader, it would be right, as high as it would go. I was moved out within three days um, after realizing how bad it was. But before I did move out, I had an EMF canopy over the bed. Um, so that's um, a Faraday cage. And that made some difference to my sleep. But when I had the Vivo base and the Soma Vedic running, it gave me the same effect that the EMF canopy did. Mm -hmm. So... And, that, and that's with my heart rate variability and resting heart rate. It, it brought me out of somewhat out of fight or flight, whereas the EMFs were messing with me. When I had the EMF canopy, the Vivo base and the Soma Vedic all at the same time, there was marginal gains over just having the two devices. So I do believe that they work very well. And when muscle testing, um, kinesiology, which I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in, um, mm -hmm. based on Dr. Singart's work, um, of, then... Um, then I think it works compounded together. I think it's good, but there's, there's nothing better than getting away from it, living in nature again, um, yeah. <laughs> the best yeah. you can. Yeah. It's uh, like the EMF effect on your sleep, uh, is like very subtle or subtle. You don't, you don't notice it that much, uh, uh until you like, uh, turn it off, so to say. And, mm -hmm. um, it does have like this, uh, mild, it's, it's essentially just, um, keeps the body in this sympathetic state and it causes this mild anxiety or arousal and uh, it also has been shown to like inhibit some melatonin and cause like oxidative stress in the body so again it's a it's a very small effect but uh, you, you barely notice it until you actually experience um, the opposite so you know the easiest the easiest things people can do is also like just turn off their wi-fi for their night and uh, even if it's you know even if they're in a city uh, turning off their own Wi-Fi will also have like a small effect uh, because the the effect is depend upon like how how close you are to like the source of the EMF as well. If, you, if you're sitting next to like an actual cell tower, then the effect is going to be much larger. Uh, and uh, and even if if you're like uh, 
even if you have like a Wi-Fi right next to your bed, then it's gonna be like a pretty high effect uh, on your sleep. So yeah, like, t- turning it off, even if your neighbors have it on, <laughs> doesn't matter. Like you can turn off your own, and you can see like a small improvement. Well, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. And you yeah. say, well, I don't need to turn mine off because there's 15 other Wi-Fi networks in my building. Okay, well, turn one off. That's one, one fifteen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. um, it's funny because when um, before I was in the biohacking space, it must have been it's about 10 or 11 years ago now. There, I lived uh, in an apartment and I had terrible sleep. I was semi-awake for most nights that I lived there. And I was there about nine months, something like that. And my health was awful, actually. It was really like, this is before I got ill. Um, but my health was not good. And that's when I started getting bloating and started needing um, antibiotics and things. And one day, yeah, one day I was lying in bed and I just felt like my head was buzzing like crazy. And I was just like, what is going on? So I got out of bed and I walked into the lounge, which was the other side of my, my, my bedroom. And this far behind my head was the Wi-Fi router. <laughs> so wow. I moved it to the far corner on top of the kitchen cabinet, far corner. So instead of being less than a foot from the top of my head behind the, uh, the other side of the wall, and it was just a partition wall, it was probably about 20, 25 feet. <laughs> and from that point, my sleep was better. And, it, and it, this isn't, I wasn't in the health space. I didn't care. I just didn't care about health at that point. I, had, I was complete layman. I, I thought eating lots of uh, fruit was super healthy. Um, <laughs> and, um, and eating a prep sandwich with, uh, with organic lettuce in it was, was healthy. <laughs> you know, that's how much of a layman I was. Um, but it made an overnight difference. Right. And, and so I, I know from before I was in this space and pro biohacking technologies that it does work. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you, had, you had your own experience with it. So yeah. 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 And it was, it was massive difference. It wasn't just a 10% or 20% gain. It was just like, like something allowed me to switch off at that point. And I became, you know, my sleep was amazing all of a sudden mm-hmm. overnight. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, and you know the worst thing you could do is uh, put your uh, cell phone uh, underneath your pillow or something of like that <laughs> with with the with the Wi-Fi on uh, or the five G on, and yeah, it's uh, yeah, you should definitely keep it on airplane mode most of the time. Yeah, well, I, I turn it off at night now, and I put it away from the bed. I have it nowhere near me. I turn all my devices onto airplane mode. I turn the Wi-Fi router off. Um, and um, I'm much better for it. It's interesting because even if you have the phone plugged in near your bed and it's off, it's still electrical device Mm. um, and it can still interfere with your sleep. So some of these sleep tracking apps that you have on your phone that you put the phone under your pillow, even if it's on airplane mode, is just bonkers. (laughs) It's like, oh no, but it it tracks my sleep. Yeah, but if your sleep's going to be worse, yeah. It's never going to be a true reading and you're never going to heal properly or, or uh, sleep properly as a result. So get it gone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah. But what about the grounding? Mm. Um, with sleep, it works very well, obviously, because we evolved sleeping either in a tree or in a cave, which means that we would be connected to the earth. And that, that grounding obviously gives us free electrons those free electrons pair with the free radicals that we produce um, and that makes it a stable molecule. So therefore helps promote healing, reduces inflammation, which has so many different electrical benefits for the body. And I think one of the, there's two, there's two things that quantified it for me to go. I'm now an advocate of grounding massively was a live blood analysis of someone that hadn't been grounded for a long time because we wear rubber shoes opposed to walking barefoot. And when you look at their, their red blood cells under a live uh, microscope, you can see that the red blood cells are all clumped together and not equidistant. Mm -hmm. Then after 40 minutes of grounding, they then retest the blood from that person. And this was done live on stage. And there's many instances of this. You can see that the red blood cells are equidistant and flowing like they should be because it's obviously electrically charged. Um, And the free electrons are obviously um, pairing with the free radicals, which 
means that they flow naturally. Yeah. And so when you can see it quantified before and after, just changing one variable, grounding, it's like, well, actually, this nature is quantified. And it's taken a full process of going, I don't believe in nature or integrate it much. I get into the quantified biohacking side of things. I find out you can quantify grounding and what it does to your sleep and to your red blood cells. Oh, and connect the dots. The other thing was thermography. And again, I did an Instagram post about this a while ago because it was so profound for me to see, again, quantified is the body with inflammation in thermography before, and that could be a knee joint or overall body thermography. And then 40 minutes of grounding, and you can see how the body changes, specific just from 40 minutes of grounding. Again, we evolved with it. We, the, our evolution to this point has been significantly more data that we just can't see right now compared to the last 100 years that we do see. Um, and so I trust how we evolved to this point opposed to what we're saying is good for us now. So grounding when sleeping, 100%. I have a grounding pillowcase, which I carry with me when I'm traveling even. Um, I have bed sheet, grounding bed sheet. I have grounding mouse mat. I have a grounding wrist strap for when I'm like, um, when I when I don't have access to like when I'm not in bed or whatever and I'm traveling and I need it and I haven't had a chance to get outside or I get my shoes off and spend as much time on the grass doing my work um, as possible. And for sleep, it it really does help. Like some people I know have had 15, 20% gains in their deep sleep or REM sleep as a result of grounding during sleep. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I think it's a perfect, perfect addition for sleep specifically and for health overall. Yeah. It's uh, like a powerful antioxidant and, uh, you know, the problem is also that uh, we are just building up this inflammation and oxidative stress all the time throughout the body. And, uh, you know, you, you do repair it during sleep, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's another example of those things uh, that, you know, that piles on top of each other. So you can, you can, you can, you can use another strategy to just lower the inflammation and uh, lower the oxidative stress. And uh, it's going to be just easier. It's funny because um, if, when you hear and people will now know this because of the media around the whole pandemic, but it's like cytokine storm. What is mm -hmm. a cytokine? It's an inflammation marker. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got a cytokine storm, which is an inflammation marker, which is basically you need antioxidants, which is why people say vitamin C works well or all these things, or you can get your shoes off and you can get in the grass or go for a swim in the sea and be hydrated with minerals as well at the same time and grounded. And so if you have inflammation or a cytokine, cytokine storm going on, get your shoes off, get in the grass. It's the best thing you can do. Now, obviously, you can add in vitamin C, which will help as well. But your body is an electrical system. And the best free-flowing thing you can get for your body, other than sunlight, which is the positive photons, are the free electrons from the earth. It's just basic and quantified as well. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. Is there like any specific time of the day that you would like to do it? It's a really interesting question you say that <laughs> because um, one thing that I read um, again from Dr. Sachin Panda's work somewhere and I, I can't find the reference again, but he was saying that there's a hypothesis that depending on what time of day it is, the, free, the flow of free electrons on the earth is different. Mm. So for instance, if you ground in the morning, your body will know from the flow of electrons um, what time of day it is. So I like to ground first thing in the morning. After I, so I get natural sunlight in my eyes. I try to ground within the first half hour of being awake. So I often take my book out and read on the grass with, the, with my bulletproof coffee. Um, and then also towards the end of the day as well. And, but when I was measuring yesterday about my timing of grounding, <laughs> I, I earthed out for seven and a half hours while I slept because I have grounding bed sheets. I've got shoe straps on my shoes. So there was two and a half hours of walking where I had uh, straps on my shoes. Um, and uh, then I had my shoes off for two or three hours. I can't remember now off the top of my head on the grass while I was playing with my friend's kids and um, in the garden sun, um, sun bathing, uh, working and whatnot. So it's like in a day I have 11 to 13 hours of grounding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but ultimately, if you do it first thing in the morning to reset your circadian rhythm along with natural sunlight and before bed, even if it's for five minutes before bed, I think that that's the ideal thing. 
but through the night, I wonder how the flow of electrons are during the night, which might indicate to sleep better as a result. Mm-hmm. But again, that's just a hypothesis. I mean, I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Um, well, I th- well, I think that uh, it's going to be easier for your body to uh, fall asleep if it is grounded and it it doesn't have like extra uh, reactive oxygen species floating around. So, uh, you know, probably that's probably the reason why it uh, does improve your sleep so that the, the body can focus on the sleep, not, not uh, dealing with the stress or the inflammation that you get from uh, being mm. ungrounded. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing about the whole timing. Um, but also, yeah, you come out of fight or flight or a little bit more out of fight or flight when you're in bed as a result. So I think it's a good addition. And the pillowcases you pick up for like 30 bucks on Amazon. Um, Very, very, very easy hack and minimal risk or cost for very big potential gain. Yeah, totally. Uh, What about air pollution? Like uh, that's a big thing in London and these big cities. How do you like, how do you deal with it? Hmm. Beforehand, I didn't because the best um, air purifiers I consider best weren't available in England at the time. And so it's one of those things that I kind of just swept under the rug, kind of ignored <laughs> the best I could. Um, but it wasn't until, uh, where was it? I went somewhere or other and I was just like, this air is amazing. Like, <laughs> this really is amazing. I feel so good from this. There was just something about it. Um, and my sleep improved from it as well, which is always a good indicator that I realized that it was so bad. And that combined with the 5G towers across the road from my old apartment in zone one of London is the reason I really moved. And I, like, you can get good uh, air purifiers, purifiers. There's a couple of good brands out there. Um, Mo- Molecule, I think, is one of them, um, which is available in America, which, you, again, it's Wi-Fi enabled, which is the downside. But um, they're very good. And it's HEPA air filter plus a couple of other things as well. But really getting out to nature if you're able to, if you can't, then a really good air purifier um, would be the best would be the best thing to do. What what would your recommendation be, Sim? Uh, well, I, I don't know. Like uh, I haven't, I have, I've, I've never like actually focused on trying to improve my air quality. <laughs> so uh, because yeah, like I, I live in a countryside, so I have like nature all around me, and I don't have like these massive amounts of uh, you know industry and factories and car car fumes and those things. So I've never like researched it that much. But uh, generally, I would think that you know maybe keeping some house plants around uh, is good because. Uh, the, the the plants can eliminate some of the you know the pollution and uh, help you to sleep better and keep the air more clean uh, as well as just you know using some sort of yeah like filters or ventilation those things uh, because yeah like oxygen deprivation or poor air quality in your bedroom can also like um, you know l- lower your sleep quality so uh, keeping the windows open to a certain extent and uh, that sort of thing having some house plants is a, is, a, is a good idea but one thing I tested recently, I'm a big advocate of hyperbaric oxygen therapy, or should I say I, I was a very big um, advocate of it. And I think that's because I lived in the city and um, carbon monoxide levels um, in people's blood in the city can go up quite high, especially if they're smokers or if you're around smokers. And for me, I, when I first tested hyperbaric oxygen therapy, I thrived on it. It was amazing. And I was doing a session many days a week. The thing is, is when you get to understand how the body works and how it deals with oxygen and how to get oxygen into your cell in the first place, daily practices, and I'm not just talking about breathing more or hyperventilation or just doing Wim Hof, but understanding really um, being able to hold your breath for longer means that you can deal with carbon dioxide better, which means that you get more oxygen into the cell naturally, opposed to having to have hyperbaric oxygen therapy, squeeze it into your cells almost. It, it makes a fundamental difference. So I wanted to test uh, a couple of weeks ago how having more cellular oxygen works on the body for your sleep. So immediately before bed, I had a session of hyperbaric oxygen therapy because I've got a chamber at home. And um, my sleep improved by over 20%. Mm. <laughs> and, and that included my heart rate variability and resting heart rate as well. Now, when I did heart rate variability testing properly with mitochondrial uh, therapy guys, they actually exhibit at the summit uh, in London. It's based on 
checking your heart rate variability and mapping to see how your heart works in terms of oxygenation and pumping blood, obviously. And one of the things that they said to me is your heart rate variability could be higher. Well, in fact, it's quite low and your resting heart rate is quite high and it should be lower because your heart's having to work harder to oxygenate your body. Hmm. And that was just really interesting for me. I was like, why would that be? Why would that be? Well, I'm not, I haven't, I don't, high intensity exercise or do much cardio because I hurt my knee a few years ago, but I've integrated using the Carol bike, which is high intensity exercise for, you know, six, seven minutes a day, every other day. Um, and everyone seems to report that their heart rate variability shoots up after a few weeks of doing it. It's because the body can deal with oxygen better. Mm. And as a result, the heart doesn't have to work so hard because it's, it's naturally stronger and um you're more oxygenated so therefore your heart rate comes down and your heart rate variability i.e how stressed the heart is goes up the, the, the heart rate variability goes up and the stress comes down so hyperbaric for me was hold on a minute i'm going to trick the system just to see how much better i sleep by having more intercellular oxygen before bed and it worked it really did so it shows that implementing these things clean oxygen better breathing nature as well as yeah hydration piece with minerals obviously to help the blood and move oxygen around is so vitally important um to health and it yeah. all again comes back around together yeah absolutely uh yeah the just general fitness and breathing patterns also yeah improve oxygenation and if you are like a mouth breather then uh, that's actually going to uh lead to just uh poor oxygenation and uh that can also like have like negative side effects on your sleep you're you're like constantly in this stressed out state while you are sleeping and you don't go into like a full um, repair mode yeah 100 percent. the book the oxygen advantage by patrick mcgowan is a very good um entryway into this i don't know if you've read it or not sim but i recommend your listeners do um if they haven't read it it really does um shake things up when it comes to how the body deals with oxygen it really does it did open my eyes massively uh, mm. have you have you had a chance to read that? Yeah, I think I think I read it like a few years ago. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah, great book. And breathing is like really key <laughs> to almost everything that you do. Mm, yeah, yeah, big yeah. time. I mean, you just have to go two minutes without it to see <laughs> see how tightly emergent um, how much of an emergency it creates. Yeah, um, when you're depleted by fifteen or twenty percent of it compounded over a period of time imagine what it can do then it's just not so apparent because it's not binary is in on or off yeah right uh i wanted to talk about hydration as well and water like you know water in cities is uh pretty bad or it's uh not the ideal drinking water that you would want to drink mm. yeah don't drink city water <laughs> <laughs> actually most places i don't drink tap water at all uh, with the exception of where i am at the moment it's got very very clean tap water naturally um, but wherever I go, I drink filtered water and then remineralize it with Celtic sea salt. And that's, that's the big win. Obviously water is to hydrate us and that hydration means minerals and electrolytes for our blood, but it also means flushing out the toxins. And so if you drink crappy water, i.e. low in minerals, then you're flushing out the toxins, but you if it's tap water, you're adding in toxins as well. Uh, so fluoride or antibiotics that are in the water system or hormones even which can you know cause hormone dysregulation so having it filtered is one thing that kills the pollutants out which means that you flush out your toxins better that's great but if you're filtering all the minerals out your electrical system isn't going to work because you've not got the minerals electrolytes in your water in the first place so the two purposes of hydration you're not doing either of them very well so that's why a good filter is important and Celtic sea salt is actually the most um, similar to our, how our, our, um, our blood in terms of mineral composition, it's the most similar salt uh, mm. that there is. And that's partly down to how it evaporate, how water evaporates off of it in certain parts of the world, apparently. So the mineral composition of Celtic sea salt seems to work very well with me and quite a few other people as well um that have tested it um mm -hmm. and there's uh, it's actually a book called the new biology of cancer and water um amazing book and it links all of these biohacks and all of these things together 
in terms of how water is so important, like how red light charges our water and helps with healing and a lot of the other cool biohacks. So when people say, well, I drink two liters of water a day. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, you can actually cut down your water significantly if you have the right minerals in it, because you're topping up your mineral system and you don't need two liters of water a day to flush out your toxins. You just don't. And when you get your minerals balanced properly, you actually pee a lot less and you feel a lot healthier and have more energy and your body heals quicker too. Right. Um, and that ties into sleep optimization, oxygen optimization as well. Um, brings all of these things together. Yeah, totally. Uh, are like any like filters that you can use or something? Mm, I, I use um, the Berkey water filter myself at home, which is like a, a metal tank, I guess, stainless steel. And it takes six hours pretty much for the water to direct drip through it. And it cuts out 99.999% of toxins. Um, you can put red dye in the top and it comes out um, clear out the bottom oh. it's that apparently um, I've been using one of those for quite a few years and then I remineralize but also um, I've in my current home I've got reverse osmosis now while that's not so good for minerals or having live water um, for your body it's actually good for clearing out all the toxins so as long as you remineralize it with some Celtic sea salt I'm a big fan of that when I had the deuterium levels tested of the reverse osmosis water at home, it was actually very, very low in deuterium, which is great. It was, I think it was around 30 parts per million from the tap, which is just awesome. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, the cheaper one is obviously Berkey water filter, and that's very portable for when you move home. It's not something you have to have plumbed in, and it's uh, the gold standard, I think, for most biohackers. Mm, yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, water is also like another <laughs> foundational thing. Uh, but uh, like, uh, what's up with, uh, what are you up to next? Like, what are your plans for the coming year? Um, well, we just uh, delayed the summit from September 12th and 13th to January 30, 31st. Uh, so I've got a four month window of um, being able to enjoy myself a little bit more opposed to being uh, super busy around the clock. So I'm, I'm currently in Germany. Um, I've just come for some dental surgery actually with one of the speakers and a very dear friend of mine, Dr. Dominic Nitschwitz. So I'm here for two or three weeks. I'm probably going to go to Amsterdam for, a, for, um, some journeys, uh, <laughs> plant journeys. And then on to Spain where I'm going to probably work in the sun and, um, um, curate the event a little bit more. But uh, apart from that, it's pretty pretty chilled second part of the year as a result of having an extra four-month window. But it's, as always, it's focusing on health, studying, learning, and connecting the dots and trying to build out the summit. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, like the a lot of events have been cancelled and yeah, so it seems like most people are, let's say, not willing or they're unable to travel that easily. And yeah, it's, it's somewhat, uh, somewhat of a, you know, it's a, it's a shame, but at the same time, it's also like, you know, <laughs> you have to adapt and uh, you have to kind of deal with it. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame. But I, again, I, while for me, it's not too much of an issue um, because I, I do everything I can to optimize my immune system and look at this from all angles. I do respect other people's viewpoints on things, whether or not they agree in the same way as I do. It's, that's fine. Um, but it wouldn't be the responsible thing for me to push forward with a conference. And that's not just for people's health. It is obviously the main thing. It's also for my team. It's also for the speakers coming from America and across the world. And, um, you know, and we, we might be wrong. So therefore it's best to push it back. So I think the end of January is a really good time. That's giving, given the whole thing a year for it to, for us to have enough, the world to have enough data to know, you know, what the true risks are. The, the change of date has actually been really warmly welcomed by all of the speakers and every exhibitor. And I did think I was going to have a bit of an issue with it, but in fact, everyone's been super happy. And I think it's just a sigh of relief for everyone. Mm -hmm. And it just means that we can make the event even better and slightly bigger. So I would have had, you know, like 17 months to build the event opposed to 12 while it's all pretty much done and it's just the date change it does help us do refinements 
So I'm yeah. very, I'm really happy actually. I'm really happy it's moved. Um, and it's a sigh of relief for everyone. <laughs> but as yeah. I say, it's the responsible thing to do while the world is still collecting data on this virus that's going around um, <laughs> for everyone to form their own beliefs on, on right. <laughs> where they stand. Yeah, yeah. That, that's for sure. And yeah, uh, I think the quality of the event isn't, isn't going to decrease. It's still a high quality event and it's a great, great speakers and uh, great people coming together. So yeah, I, I highly recommend everyone to check it out if they are. Uh, willing to go into London <laughs> next year. It's actually really funny. Um, I thought I'd mention this. So um, our event director or my event director for the summit, Isabel, she was actually one of your listeners or followers. And um, when I said to her, when I met her at the summit and she came to our meetup in London, and I said, oh, how did you hear about the Biohacker London meetup group and the summit? And she said, oh, I'm, I've been watching Sims podcast for a long, long time. And, you know, <laughs> didn't realize that there was something going on in London. So anyway, we became friends and I realized that she's such a smart, driven uh, lady you know, that I, I hired her and now she's our event director. So I've got you to thank for that. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You can definitely like uh, uh, meet a lot of people and uh, make great connections. And that's one of the best parts about it. <laughs> well, look, look at the, in the last year, I think since since we were at Upgrade Labs in Beverly Hills, you've you obviously got to know uh, Dr. McCola and yeah. I think did a podcast together. And there's been and there's been so many cool things that have happened just by us two actually being in various places and getting a chance to meet with people that would normally we just see on social media. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny because I did a post yesterday because I just felt so grateful. I had a call with Dr. McCola just about the summit because he's a speaker for us. Um, and I just felt so grateful that the journey that we've been on, just being in certain places, the right time at the right place, um, and how how it's evolved in the last year or so. It's just been it's just mm. been awesome. We're very fortunate, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's also that. Uh, these things they're not going to happen by themselves you have to actually you know go out there and you have to actually do something and then like these uh, you know um, uh, these lucky things happen they happen only if you are like you know actively doing something about it they're not going to happen by themselves if you're just you know uh, staying at home or you know that sort of thing I remember when I said come come to upgrade labs come to upgrade reps and you're like, well, it's a long journey and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, come then like, it must've been about a week or something or other before. And you're like, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. It, it is, but you're exactly right. And I know you live, I know you live and um, preach and live it as well. Uh, awesome. Testament to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, yeah. Like where can people learn about you and uh, the summit? So um, the summit is at health optimization summit on Instagram. That's our main platform, I guess, for the summit. Um, we keep up to date with all the speakers, exhibitors, and all the cool things going on. We've got a few surprises up our sleeve in the coming months, which is going to be fun. And uh, for me personally, it's at Tim Biohacker on Instagram. And that's uh, all, the, all the hacks and all the things that I do and keep up to date with um, on my journey. So if you want to learn about biohacking in certain areas, I'm more of a wider reach by a hacker i guess um so yeah if you want to keep up to date there it's tim by a hacker on instagram awesome and uh, we're going to put all the links in the show notes and my last question is uh what's this one piece of advice or habit you wish you had adopted sooner you caught me out with that one um <laughs> work with mother nature not against and that's really my topic i think um Grounding, sunlight, natural hydration, proper sleep, the things that we've talked about really does encompass everything. But work with Mother Nature, not against. That would be my biggest piece of advice. And if I could have told myself that 10 years ago and understood why, then I think my health optimization journey would have been a hell of a lot quicker. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. Again, like you can, you can swim upstream or you can go with the flow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. Awesome. Awesome. It's been great talking with you. And uh, yeah, I'll see you probably, you know, I'll, I'll definitely try to come to London. And uh, if we don't meet before that, then London at least. Yeah. Thank you, mate. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been All good right. to catch up.